How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we're going to be talking about habits, how to build good habits, how to stop bad ones. It's one of my favorite topics to talk about because habits are uh, one of the most important things to becoming successful. Uh, so and for all of our Shit You Don't Learn in College fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com and grab your copy of the new number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, available now on Amazon as well. Now let's get on with the show. All right. Why do I enjoy talking about habits so much? Well, if we want a life with more money, more meaning, and more freedom, we have to understand that a high majority of our outcomes are actually driven by uh, habits, habitual thought, habitual beliefs, habitual actions that we take. In fact, uh, about 90% of your life uh, is estimated to be uh, dictated by habit, right? So uh, the thoughts you think are habitual. You get in these habitual thought patterns. The beliefs you think are, are thoughts that you think so often they become habitual. Uh, your actions, the majority of the actions you take are habitual, right? Now, uh, a lot of you guys might be like, no, I'm smart. I'm, I'm intellectual. I, I think about all the things that I do. I'm a thinker, right? Well, think about this. Brushing your teeth. When was the last time you really deeply focused on brushing your teeth? How long you spent on each tooth? How long you spent on each quadrant of your mouth? Where, how you did this? How you did? None of us really do that. It's very habitual. You, you grab the, the toothpaste tube, you put on the toothbrush, you put it in your mouth, and you just kind of go to town for whatever. You know, you're just kind of on autopilot, right? Same thing with like thinking about, think about driving a car, right? Like when you first learned to drive a car, obviously it was very conscious. You put a lot of effort, you put a lot of energy into thinking and focusing. But now it's pretty habitual, right? Like you can be, I remember when I was living up in Los Angeles, right? Like I could be driving to work across LA from, from Santa Monica to Studio City. Uh, I could be driving to work in traffic, uh, on the phone with a client while, you know, drinking my smoothie and listening to music and uh, playing with a dog in the backseat while driving a manual car, right? Like it, that's, it's all habitual now. It's all unconscious uh, the way that we respond and react to a majority of the world. So this is why it's so incredibly important to be aware that your, uh, your outcomes are heavily dictated by, uh, subconscious habitual response. And the more you can become conscious of it, and the more that you can start to program that subconscious habitual response, uh, you can see better results in your life. This is, you know, this is very, very uh, important. Now think of it like this, right? Um, you know, in, uh, I use, I use this example, um, because it's a really great example. Now the elephant is a very powerful being, right? Very strong, very powerful. It's like a, um, 
uh, you know, it's like the, the, the equivalent of your subconscious, very powerful. And in Thailand, the way that they train elephants is, you know, from a young age, they can, you know, what they'll do. And this seems kind of cruel now that I'm talking about it now, but they'll, they'll tie the elephant at a very young age to a post with, uh, with a rope. And at a very young age, the elephant can't, uh, get away from the post. Right. And, because of that, the elephant is programmed to believe that it can't get away from the post and that that rope will lead it. Now, eventually, the elephant grows big and strong, and it can snap the rope. It could break the post, but because it's been programmed to behave a certain way, it now responds to that. Now, our subconscious is like this elephant. It's a big, powerful being, and hopefully this is a little less cruel, but we need to get our elephant mind uh on the track that we want it, we want to get it going to be successful in life. Because otherwise, it'll just rampage and run through trees and and break a bunch of shit, and it not take us the directions that we really need to go. So, if you're really interested in developing stronger habits and getting rid of bad ones, there are a handful of books that I suggest you read. If you are a if if you are a reader or an audiobook uh, listener, uh, check out Tiny Habits, Compound Effect. Uh, or Atomic Habits. They're all great books around the power of habit, uh, around the power of habitual growth. But in you know, in t- altogether, they basically have two things that they say in common when it comes to habits. Now, number one is small small changes with consistency create big results. Small changes with consistency create big results. Now, a lot of you may have seen you know the whole if you just get better one percent each day. You know, by the end of a year, you'll be 37 times better. But if you get worse 1% each day, you'll actually be virtually 1%, less than 1% of where you were uh, of the total um, to begin with, right? So this is the compound effect, right? So it's these small little compounds of, of daily activities that if you do them over and over again, they produce bigger and bigger results each and every time, Um and, uh, you know, the other side of this, right, is that you, you want to make sure that you're focusing on the process and not the outcome. You want to fo- focus on just being consistent daily rather than really focusing on the outcome because sometimes you don't see the return until all of a sudden there's this big whoosh moment, right? Um, and, and it takes a while to get to that whoosh moment. So you want to focus on the process rather than the outcome. And then the second thing that these books <laughs> talk about um, and, and I want to get into how to actually create this change, create good habits and stop bad ones. But the second thing is it's always hardest in the beginning. And this is why most people, uh, fail at stopping bad habits and fail at starting good habits because, uh, building good habits is hard. It is hard. It's difficult because you're fighting against that 95% of your brain in the beginning. It's difficult, right? Building habits is really, really difficult for a very short amount of time. But after that, it becomes a habit, and then you can't stop. For example, right, I've been going to the gym pretty consistently for about six, seven years now, um, and even pretty consistently, even longer than that, maybe even a decade, but really focused on it uh, the last six or seven years. And because of that, it's difficult for me to stop going to the gym. It's harder for me to stop going to the gym than it is to go to the gym. Like on, you know, my, my, I, have a, I have a personal trainer because, you know, as a coach, I know that it's important to have a coach in every area of my life. Um, and he wants me to take more rest days. And I'm like, I just can't. Like, I enjoy this shit too much. Um, it is part of my daily routine, right? And so, you know, that's the thing that I want you to understand. It's always hardest in the beginning. Now, We've all heard, you know, it takes 20, 21 days or 66 days or 90 days or 30 days to develop a habit. Now, I, I don't know what the exact number is. There's a ton of different studies on these things, but I will tell you what works for me, 
right? Now, the first 30 days is the hardest. And I normally do, I, I normally commit myself, if I want to create a habit, I commit myself to four weeks, 28 days, right? If I can do four weeks of something, then I've really overcome the toughest part of it. I've overcome the toughest hump. And so whenever I want to test a new habit to see if it's a habit I like, I always tell myself four weeks minimum. And I'll do it for four weeks, even if I don't like it, even if it's difficult, even if I think, ah, I don't really need this, I'll do it for four weeks. And at the end of four weeks, that now that I know that I'm over the hump, I'll make a conscious decision, hey, do I want to keep this habit? Do I want to adjust this habit? Do I want to get rid of this habit? So the first 28 days, the first 30 days or so, uh, I'm really, really consciously working on building a habit. And I normally only do one habit at a time because if you try to do multiple habits, you only have so much willpower, right? And willpower doesn't work if you spread it too thin, if you spread your focus too thin. So I normally only work on one habit at a time. And after 30 days, I can make a decision on whether I want to change it, adjust it, or get rid of it. Now, after 30 days, I've really overcome the hump. I've noticed at about 90 days, it becomes pretty automatic. After about three months, it becomes pretty automatic and it's hard to stop. And after about six months, it becomes a lifestyle. And it's actually more difficult for me to stop it than to keep doing it. And so this is why I want to I want to say this, because with time, it just keeps getting easier and easier. And after about six months, it's almost like a moving freight train and it's impossible to stop doing what you've been doing. But in the beginning, it's always the most difficult. So if you want to stop bad habits and you want to create good habits, uh, change requires major change requires, at least from what I've noticed, two major things. And and there's you know there's more details and there's uh, more things, more descriptions of different things in the books that I recommended, and they go kind of deeper in different stuff. Um, but I've personally noticed that there's two things that can really allow us to stop bad habits and start good ones. Now, the first thing is what I refer to as the trigger, uh, and what uh, James Clear refers to as the trigger in Atomic Habits. Now, the trigger with any habit uh, or cue is something that, well, triggers the habit to start. There's always something that is like a play button or a start button that triggers the habit to happen. Now, let me give you an example. I had a buddy uh, that used to play baseball in high school and he used to play baseball. And when you're in, uh, you know, when you're on a baseball team, you're uh, you're, you always go in the dugout and you're eating sunflower seeds and spitting sunflower seeds in the dugout. So whenever he had sunflower seeds, he would, you know, eat sunflower seeds, chew them up and spit them in the dugout. This created a habitual habit when he was playing baseball. Now that after that, he didn't have, uh, he didn't have any sunflower seeds for years. My buddy Brian didn't have any sunflower seeds for years. And one day after, after college, we were watching a football game at our friend's house and our friend, uh, gave Brian some sunflower seeds. He was passing around some sunflower seeds. And Brian put the sunflower seeds in his mouth and he proceeded to chew them up and then spit them all over my buddy's carpet in his living room floor. Now, this was completely unconscious, but his sunflower seeds were the trigger to uh, spit sunflower seeds all over the floor. It was just a habitual process. Now, this was incredibly embarrassing for my buddy Brian, but it was also one of those moments that I was like, holy crap, the power of habits is so is so strong that you can have someone be such an idiot that they spit sunflower seeds all over their friend's floor, right? Now, there was also a study done with Vietnam veterans. There was a study that was done with Vietnam veterans, and what they found was uh, about 20 to 25% of Vietnam veterans while in Vietnam tried heroin 
and would call themselves addicted to heroin while they were overseas in Vietnam. Now, if you have any idea, uh, helping someone get off of heroin is one of the most difficult drugs uh, in the world. They would find that people would go to rehab, and about 90% of people would relapse. Nine out of 10 people uh, in America, if they were addicted to heroin, they would go to rehab, they would come out, 90% would, would relapse, right? Now, what they found when these veterans came back to the U.S., they were expecting, you know, this 20% of veterans all to be addicted to heroin when they came back to the U.S. And what they found was of the 20%, less than 5% remained addicted when they came back to the U.S. That means 1% total was actually addicted to heroin when they came back to the U.S. Now, how could this be when within the U.S., 90% stayed addicted, and, and when they come back from Vietnam, 95% would be totally fine? Well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? When they were in Vietnam, they had certain triggers. They had war. They had gunshot. They had all these things going on. They had, they had people around them, certain situations that were all triggers, that caused them to trigger the desire for heroin. Now, when they came back to the U.S., all of, almost all of these triggers were gone. So they had no triggers to trigger the desire to do heroin. So less than 5% remained addicted, whereas traditionally, if someone becomes addicted to heroin at home and then they go to rehab, well, they go to rehab and they get rid of the triggers and they can, they can heal, they can get clean. But then as soon as they get out of rehab, they go back around all of the triggers and that's why 90% relapse, right? So, so getting rid of triggers or having triggers for good habits is one of the most important things that you need to understand to building strong habitual processes. So for example, I think of a lot of people that are like, oh, I know I need to drink more water. And then you see all the people that are this, you know, we call them the stupid water, ball water bottle carriers. They carry their big gallon water bottles and you're like, oh, God, what a crunchy preppy dick, right? Just showing off all his water that he drinks. Well, he's not just trying to show off or she's not just trying to show off all the water that she drinks. That water bottle is actually a trigger. I found that as soon as I started to be a water bottle carrier, I would drink more water simply because I had the water bottle on my desk and I would see it. So I would start drinking the water, right? So the water bottle was a cue. I actually have an alarm on my phone that reminds me to kiss my wife, right? Now, that sounds you know, not very romantic to a lot of people, but I'll tell you right now that because of that, when I have a reminder on my phone every day to kiss my wife, I'm gonna kiss my wife more often. I'm gonna make sure that I express love to her more often. I'm gonna make sure that I feel grateful for her more often because I have a trigger to remind me about how much I love that woman and how much I love being near her and around her and having her in my life, right? So I have a trigger to trigger that feeling of love and joy and connection with my wife. So I trigger that feeling and I create that desire to want to go find her and give her a big hug and a big smooch, right? Now let's talk about bad habits, right? Now, one of the first things when I first started my business is I realized that I had a lot of bad habits. I had a lot of bad habits of wanting to go out and party and wanting to, you know, be a degenerate, you know, kid in his mid-20s and, you know, have have a lot of fun but not do anything productive. And to be honest, I had a lot of people in my life that were the triggers. I had a lot of people that loved doing that, that would, you know, drag me along and take me out to parties and do all these things. And so I had toxic friends that were the triggers for bad habits. Over drinking. Maybe you have maybe you have one of these. It's over drinking, overspending, over complaining, right? Do you have that friend that when you're around, you just get into big blame and complain mode and big negativity, right? Like 
We all have those friends. And one of the hardest things for me to do was start to remove that trigger from my life and see that friend less and less or maybe have less and less conversations with that friend. Or whenever they were having those negative conversations, I would pull myself away. I would, I would just go talk to somebody else or go, you know, go do something different. Right. And so realizing that I had friends that were triggers that were triggering my bad habits and starting to limit my interactions with those toxic friends and those triggers is a really important one. So that's triggers. Right. Now, the second thing that you need to understand in order to build good habits and get rid of bad habits uh, is what I call the difficulty versus gain matrix. Right. So um, with any habit, there's always a pivotal point. There's always a pivotal point where the difficulty of implementing the habit becomes less than the gain of implementing the habit, right? Now, obviously, like we talked about it, once you're, you know, you're, you're getting a habit going after 30 days, the difficulty becomes much, much lower, right? And the gain becomes much, much more apparent. This is why uh, as you get going with a habit, the difficulty versus gain, the gain is much higher and it becomes easier to stick with a habit. But in the very beginning, you want to make good habits as easy as possible, and you want to make them as rewarding as possible, and you want to make bad habits as difficult as possible, and you want to make them, you want to, frankly, you want to make them punish you if you do them. You want it to hurt if you do them, right? So um, I'll give you an example, right? Uh, an easy one is if you want to go to the gym in the mornings, right, and you're finding it difficult to have the motivation to go to the gym, well, one of the things that you can do is the night before when you have some willpower, because in the morning you have zero willpower, um, the night before, set your gym set your gym clothes and shoes up right next to your bed so that when you get out of bed, the first thing you do is you put your gym clothes on. Really simple, right? Really simple. Um, but just making it easier for you to do the things that will really help you uh, build that habit. Another thing, another thing I talk about it uh, a lot is my morning routine because because we're so stupid when we wake up in the morning, um, I have a morning routine list. It's literally just a list on my whiteboard so that when I wake up in my drunken, sleepy stupor first thing in the morning at 4 a.m., I just look at that list on my whiteboard and I just start going down the list. It's very unconscious. It's very just blah, 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 blah. But as I go through it, I'm getting through my morning routine and I'm becoming more conscious and, and doing all the things that I need to, right? So you want to make things easier that you want to do and you want to have a bigger reward for them and you want to make things more difficult that you don't want to do and you want to have a bigger pain for them. So for example, uh, some of our clients have gotten in the routine when they get in the routine of, uh, of procrastinating, right? Cause procrastinating is very easy. It's, you know, one of the things that our evolutionary brain is programmed to do. We're actually programmed to be lazy because it conserves energy and therefore we don't have to eat as much. Um, but if uh, if any of our clients are getting procrastinating, we always uh, we have an accountability measure that is really powerful to reprogram this habit. Um, what we'll do is they will we'll use social accountability and we'll use financial accountability to uh, to help motivate them to make it difficult and painful to keep that habit of, of procrastinating. So what they'll do is they'll go into our private group, our private coaching group, and they'll post, hey, I need to accomplish X, Y, Z by the end of this week. And if I don't, I'll give a hundred bucks to the first five people who comment on this post and then five people comment on that post. And now they have five people holding them socially accountable to do the thing that they said they were going to do, or it costs them $500, right? So now they're socially accountable because they don't want to, you know, uh, be uh, wrong and not do what they said to five different people. But also those five people are going to hold them accountable because they want that hundred bucks, right? So, you know, if it's going to hurt, if it's going to cost you 500 bucks to not do the thing that you said you were going to do, you're probably going to do it. And that'll break you out of 
the uh, the bad habit of being a procrastinator. Uh, another one, if you have a bad habit of, let's say, watching Netflix or something like that, right? Then the the easiest fix is to turn off the Wi-Fi. Now, if you turn off the Wi-Fi, we used to do this in, in our house all the time, and we actually still do it. We turn off the Wi-Fi at night, we turn it off on, on Saturdays. Um, but when you turn off the Wi-Fi, if you want to watch Netflix, you're making it more difficult for you to actually go watch Netflix because you can't just go plop on the couch and turn it on, right? The one thing that I used to do as well is I actually used to put my remote in my bedroom in a dresser drawer. So to start watching Netflix, just to start to Netflix and chill, I would have to go upstairs and I would have to turn on the Wi-Fi, which takes about five to 10 minutes to boot up. And then I would have to go into my bedroom and I would have to grab the remote and bring it downstairs to get watching Netflix. So I made it more difficult for me to just Netflix and chill. So I actually had to be very intentional about when I wanted to Netflix and chill. Otherwise, I would do other things. I would read. I would uh, go on a walk with Maddie. I would I would hang out with the, with the fur baby, with the puppy Aspen. So the more difficult you can make it to have bad habits and the more pain it can be for bad habits, the more likely you will be to stop those bad habits, right? So I wanna give you guys a little bit of homework now. Obviously, if you're on a treadmill or driving right now, do not do this homework. Um, but uh, one of my favorite things to do, and I do this probably once a year or so, um, I'm constantly doing it in the meantime, but once a year, I really take a, uh, I really take an accountability look, a, a review and a reflection of my habits. And what I do is I just list out five habits that are probably not the best for me or probably not... Uh, you know, it's productive for me or taking me in the right direction of, you know, the goals that I want to achieve in my business, my financial goals, my relationship with my wife, my personal health, things like that. Normally, I kind of look for one major one in each area, my financial goals, my business, my my relationship with my wife, my relationship with other people, my personal health, my spirituality, my spiritual practice. So I list out five bad habits. Um, and then I list out for each one of them a trigger that I can start to remove or a way that I can make that bad habit harder. Now, my goal, uh, you know, my goal isn't always to just get rid of these habits completely, right? Sometimes it is. Sometimes I want to get rid of the habit completely. But oftentimes, I just want to make it more difficult so that I do it less. Or oftentimes, I want to make, I want to remove the triggers so I get triggered less, right? The goal is not to be perfect. The goal is to be better, right? And then I list out five good habits that will help me in my health and wellness goals, that will help me in my personal development, help me in my relationship, help me in my business. And I list out, five ways that I can make each of those habits easier or five triggers that I can use to uh, help trigger that habit to happen more often. Perfect example, the alarm on my phone or the reminder on my phone because I wanna make sure that my wife realizes how much I love her on a daily, daily basis because I you know, I feel so much love for her but I wanna make sure that she feels it as well and um, she feels that love being expressed consistently. So I added that alarm and that reminder to my phone. Right. So when you get off the treadmill, when you get out of the car, go do this exercise, list the five bad habits and the five triggers that you can remove or things that ways you can make it harder and then list five good habits and the ways you can make it easier and the triggers that you can add. Now, that's all we have for today's show. Don't forget that knowledge without action yields nothing. So make sure to implement what you learn here with us. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from this podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com to grab your copy of the new number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, available now. 
All right, that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. 